Chapter number 19 of Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arthur Piantidosi. Chapter 19 In which a notable plan is discussed and determined on. It was a chill, damp, windy night when the Jew, buttoning his great coat tight round his shriveled body, and pulling a collar up over his ears so as completely to obscure the lower part of his face, emerged from his den. He paused on the step as the door was locked and chained behind him, and having listened while the boys made all secure, until their retreating footsteps were no longer audible, slunk down the street as quickly as he could. The house to which Oliver had been conveyed was in the neighbourhood of Whitechapel. The Jew stopped for an instant at the corner of the street, and glancing suspiciously round, crossed the road, and struck off in the direction of the spitalfields. The mud lay thick upon the stones, and a black mist hung over the street. The rain fell sluggishly down, and everything felt cold and clammy to the touch. It seemed just the night when it defeated such a being as the Jew to be abroad. As he glided stealthily along, creeping beneath the shelter of the walls and doorways, the hideous old man seemed like some loathsome reptile, engendered in the slime and darkness through which he moved, crawling forth by night in search of some reach of fall for a meal. He kept on his course through many windings and narrow ways until he reached Bethnal Green, then, turning strongly off to the left, he soon became involved in the maze of the mean and dirty streets which abound in that close and densely populated quarter. The Jew was essentially too familiar with the ground he traversed to be at all bewildered, either by the darkness of the night or the intricacies of the way. He hurried through several alleys and streets, and at length turned into one lighted only by a single lamp at the farther end. At the door of a house in the street he knocked, Having exchanged a few muttered words with the person who opened it, he walked upstairs. A door growled as he touched the handle of the room door. And a man's voice demanded who was there. Only me, Bill. Only me, my dear, said the Jew, looking in. Bring in your body, then, said Sykes. Lie down, you stupid brute! Don't you know the devil when he's got a great coat on? Apparently the dog had been somewhat deceived by Mr. Fagin's outer garment, for as the Jew unbuttoned it and threw it over the back of a chair, he retreated to the corner from which he had risen, wagging his tail as he went to show that he was as well satisfied as it was in his nature to be. Well! And Sykes. Well, my dear, replied the Jew, Ah, Nancy! A later recognition was uttered with just enough of embarrassment to imply a doubt of its reception, for Mr. Fagin and his young friend had not met since she had interfered in behalf of Oliver. All doubts upon the subject, if he had any, were speedily removed by the young lady's behaviour. She took her feet off the fender, pushed back a chair, and bade Fagin draw up his, that saying more about it, for it was a cold night. And no mistake. It is cold, Nancy, dear, 
said the Jew as he warmed his skinny hands over the fire. It seems to go right through one, added the old man, touching his side. It must be a piercer if it finds its way through yard, said Mr. Sykes. Give him something to drink, Nancy. Burn me, I bought him. Make haste. It's enough to turn a man ill to see his lean old carcass. Never ain't in that way like an ugly ghost just rose from the grave. Nancy quickly bought a bottle from a cupboard, from which there were many, which, to judge from the diversity of their appearance, were filled with the several kinds of liquids. Sykes, pouring out a glass of brandy, bade the Jew drink it off. Quite enough, quite, thank you, Bill, replied the Jew, putting down the glass after just setting his lips to it. What? You're afraid of our getting the better of you, are you? inquired Sykes, fixing his eyes on the Jew. With a hoarse grunt of contempt, Mr. Sykes seized the glass and threw the remainder of its contents into the ashes. As a peremptory ceremony to filling it again for himself, which he did at once, the Jew glanced round the room at his companion tossed down the second glassful. Not in curiosity, for he had seen it often before, but in a restless and suspicious manner habitual to him. It was a meanly furnished apartment, with nothing but the contents of the closet to induce the belief that its occupier was anything but a working man, with no more suspicious articles displayed to view than two or three heavy bludgeons which stood in a corner, and a laugh reserver that hung over the chimney-piece. "'Ah!' said Sykes, smacking his lips. "'Now I'm ready!' Business? inquired the Jew. For business, cried Sykes. So say what you go say. About the crib at Bill, said the Jew, drawing his chair forward and speaking in a very low voice. Yes, what about it? inquired Sykes. Uh, you know what I mean, my dear, said the Jew. He knows what I mean, Nancy, don't he? No, he don't, said Sister Sykes. Or he won't, and that's the same thing. Speak out and call in by their right names. Don't sit there winking and blinking and talking to me in hits. That is, if you want the very first and thought about the robbery, what do you mean? Hush, Bill, hush the Jew, who had in vain attempted to stop this burst of indignation. Somebody will hear us, my dear. Somebody will hear us. Let him hear, said Sykes. I don't care. But as Mr. Sykes did care on reflection, he dropped his voice as he said the words and grew calmer. There, there, said the Jew coaxingly. It was only my caution, nothing more. Now, my dear, about the crib at Chertsey, when is it to be done, Bill, eh? When is it to be done? Such plate, my dear, such plate. The Jew, rubbing his hands and elevating his eyebrows in a rapture of anticipation. Not at all, replied Dwight's coldly. Not to be done at all, echoed the Jew, leaning back in his chair. No, not at all, 
rejoined Sykes. At least it can't be a pull-up job as we expected. And it hasn't been properly gone and found, said the Jew, turning pale with anger. Don't tell me. But I will tell you, retorted Sykes. Who are you It's not to be told? I told you it could be crooked and been hanging about the place for a fortnight. And he had to get over the servants in line. Do you mean to tell me, Bill? The Jew, softening as the other grew heated, that neither of the two men in the house can be got over. Yes, I do mean to tell you so, replied Sykes. You ladies had her niece twenty years, and if you were to give him five hundred pound, they wouldn't be in it. But I mean to say, my dear, remonstrated the Jew, that the woman can't be got over. Not a bit of it, replied Sykes. Not by flash to be crack it, said the Jew incredulously. Think what woman are, Bill? No, nor even by flash to be crocket, replied Socks. He says he's worn sharp whiskers and a canary waistcoat. Oh, blessed time he'd been louder and known there. It's all of no use. He should have tried mustachios and a pair of military trousers, my dear, said the Jew. So he did, rejoined Sykes, and there were no more use than the other plant. The Jew looked blank this information. After ruminating for some minutes with his chin sunk on his breast, he raised his head and said with a deep sigh, That if Vash Toby Crackett reported aright, he feared the game was up. And yet said the old man, dropping his hands to his knees. It's a sad thing, my dear, to lose so much, and we had set our hearts upon it. So it is, at Mr. Sykes. Worse luck! A long silence ensued, during which the Jew was plunged in deep thought, with his face wrinkled into an expression of villainy, perfectly demonical. Sykes eyed him furtively from time to time. Nancy, apparently fearful, irritating the housebreaker, sat with her eyes fixed upon the fire, as if she had been deaf to all that had passed. Fogain, said Sykes, abruptly breaking a stillness reveal, as it were fifty shiners extra of his safely dawned from the outside. Yes, said the Jew, as suddenly rousing himself. Is it a bargain? inquired Sykes. Yes, my dear, yes, rejoined the Jew, his eyes glistening and every muscle in his face working, with the excitement that the inquiry had awakened. Then, said Sykes, resting aside the Jew's hand with some disdain, let it come off as soon as you like. Toby and me were over the garden wall the night of all hours, sounding the panels of the door and shutters. The crib's bar'll be not like a jail, but there's one part we can crack safe and softly. Which is that, Bill? asked the Jew quickly. Why, husband Sykes, as you cross the lawn. Yes, said the Jew, bending his head forward, with his eyes almost turning out, out of it. Ooh, 
I'd Sykes, stopping short as the girl, scarcely moving her head, looked suddenly round and pointed for an instant to the Jew's face. Never mind which part it is. You can't do without me. I know who. But it best be on the safe side when one deals with you. As you like, my dear, as you like, replied the Jew. Is it no help to want it but yours and Toby's? None, said Sykes. Set to send a bit, a eh, boy. The first we both got, the second you must find us. A boy, exclaimed the Jew. Oh, then it's a panel, eh? Never mind what it is, replied Sykes. I want a boy, it must be a big one. Lord, said Mrs. Sykes reflectively. If I'd only got that young boy and there, the chimney sweepers, he kept him small on purpose and let him out on by the job. But the fallen coat lagged, and then the juvenile delinquents of sword he comes and takes the boy away from a trade where he was earning money. Teaches him to read more, and in time makes a prejudice of him, and so they go on," said Mister Sykes, his wrath rising at the recollection of his wrongs. "So they go on, and if they've got money enough, which is a providence they haven't, we shouldn't have had half a dozen boys left in the old trade in a year or two. No more we will show." Inquest the Jew, who had been considering during this speech and had only caused the ascendance. Bill! What now? inquired Sykes. The Jew nodded his head towards Nancy, who was still gazing at the fire, and intimated by a sign that he would have her told to leave the room. Sykes shrugged his shoulders impatiently, as if he thought the precaution unnecessary but complied, nevertheless, in by requesting Miss Nancy to fetch him a jug of beer. "'You don't want any beer,' said Nancy, folding her arms and retaining her seat very composedly. "'I tell you, I do!' "'Nonsense,' rejoined the girl coolly. "'Go on, Fagin, I know what he's going to say, Bill. He didn't mind me.' The Jew still hesitated. Sykes looked from one to the other in some surprise. Why you don't mind the old girl, do you, Fagin? he asked at length. You've known her long enough to trust her, all the devils in it. She ain't worn the blab, are you, Nancy? I should think not, replied the young lady, drawing her chair up to the table and putting her elbows upon it. No, no, my dear, I know you're not, said the jewel. But and again the old man paused. But what? inquired Sykes. I didn't know whether she mightn't perhaps be out of sorts, you know, my dear, as she was the other night, replied the Jew. At this confession, Miss Nancy burst into a loud laugh, <laughs> and swallowing a glass of brandy, shook her head with an air of defiance, and burst into sundry explanations of, Keep the game a-going, never say die and the like. These seemed to have the effect of reassuring both gentlemen, for the Jew nodded his head with a satisfied air, and resumed his seat, as dismissed the Sykes likewise. Now, Fagin, said Nancy with a laugh, kill Bill at once about Oliver. Ah, oh, you're a clever one, my dear, the sharpest girl I ever saw, said the Jew, patting on the neck. 
It was about Oliver I was going to speak, sure enough. Ah! 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 What about him? demanded Sykes. He's the boy for you, my dear, replied the Jew in his hoarse whisper, laying his finger on the side of his nose and grinning frightfully. He! exclaimed Sykes. Have him, Bill, said Nancy. I would if I were in your place. He mayn't be so much up as any of the others, but that's not that you want. If he's only to open door for you, depend upon it, he's a safe one, Bill. I know he is, rejoined Fagin. He's been in good training these last few weeks, and it's time he began to work for his bread. Besides, the others are all too big. Well, he's just as sore as I want, said Mr. Sykes, ruminating. And he'll do everything you want, Bill, my dear, interposed the Jew. He can't help himself. That is, if you frighten him enough. Frighten him, echoed Sykes. You'll be no sham frightening, mind you. If there's anything queer about him when we want to get into the work, in for a penny, in for a pound. You won't see him alive again, Fagin. Think of that before you send him. Mark my words, said the robber, posing a crowbar, which he had drawn from under the bedstead. I've thought of it all said the Jew with energy. I've obviously had my eye on him, my dears. Close, close. Once let him feel that he is one of us. Once fill his mind with the idea that he has been a thief and he is ours. Ours full as life. Oh, he couldn't have come about better. The old man crossed his arms upon his breast, and drawing his head and shoulders into a heap, literally hugged himself for joy. Oz, said Sykes, yours, you mean? Perhaps I do, my dear, said the Jew with a shrill chuckle. <laughs> Mine, if you like, Bill. And what? said Sykes, adding fiercely at his agreeable friend. What makes you take so much pains about one chalk-faced kid when you know there's fifty boys snoozing about common garden every night as you might pick and choose from? Because they're never no use to me, my dear, replied the Jew with some confusion. Not worth taking. Their looks convict them when they get into trouble and I lose them all. With this boy properly managed, my dears, I could do what I couldn't with twenty of them. Besides, said the Jew, recovering his self-position, he has us now if he could only give us leg bait ill again, and he must be in the same boat with us. Never mind how he came there. It's quite enough for my power over him that he was in a robbery. That's all I want. Now, now much better this is, being obliged to put the poor little boy out of the way, which would be dangerous, and we should lose by besides. What is to be done? asked Nancy, stopping some turbulent explanation on the part of Mr. Sykes, expressive of the disgust with which he received Megan's affectation of humanity. Ah, to be sure, said the Jew. When is it to be done, Bill? 
I plan with Toby the night after tomorrow, rejoined Sykes in a surly voice. If you heard not from me into the contrary, God, said the Jew, there's no moon. No, rejoined Sykes. It's all arranged about bringing off the swag, is it? asked the Jew. Sykes nodded. And about... Oh, hey, ah, it's all planned, rejoined Sykes, interrupting him. Never more particulars. You better bring the boy here tomorrow at night. I shall get off a stone an hour after daybreak. Then you hold your tongue and keep the melting pot ready. And that's all you have to do. After some discussion, in which all three took an active part, it was decided that Nancy should repair to the jewels next evening when the night had set in, and bring Oliver away with her, Fagin craftily observing that, if he evinced any disinclination to the task, he would be more willing to accompany the girl who had so recently interfered in his behalf than anybody else. It was also solemnly arranged that poor Oliver should, for the purposes of the contemplated expedition, be unreservedly consigned to the care and custody of Mr. William Sykes, and further, that the said Sykes should deal with him as he thought fit, and should not be held responsible by the Jew for any mischance or evil that might be necessary to visit him, it being understood that to render their compact in this respect binding, any representations made by Mr. Sykes on his return should be required to be confirmed and corroborated in all important particulars by the testimony of Flash, Croby Crackett. These preliminaries adjusted, Mr. Sykes proceeded to drink brandy at a furious rate, and to flourish the crowbar in an alarming manner, yelling forth at the same time most unmusical snatches of song, mingled with wild execrations. At length, in a fit of professional enthusiasm, he insisted upon producing his box of house-breaking tools, which he had no sooner stumbled in with, and open for the purpose of explaining the nature and proprieties of the various instruments it contained, and the peculiar beauties of their construction, than he fell over the box upon the floor, and went to sleep where he fell. "'Good night, Nancy,' said the Jew, muffling himself up as before. "'Good night.' Their eyes met, and the Jew scrutinised her narrowly. There was no flinching about the girl. She was as true and earnest in the matter as Toby Crackett himself could be. The Jew again bade her good night, and bestowing a sly kick upon the prostrate form of Mr. Sykes while her back was turned, groped downstairs. Or oh, where's the way? muttered the Jew to himself as he turned homeward. The worst of these women is that very little thing serves to call up some logs of long forgotten feeling, and the best of them is that it never lasts. Ah! Ah! The man against the child for a bag of gold. Beguiling the time with these pleasant reflections, Mr. Fagin winded his way through mud and mire to his gloomy abode, where the dodger was sitting up, impatiently awaiting his return. Tis Oliver bed. I want to speak to him, was his first remark as they descended the stairs. Hours ago, replied the dodger, throwing open a door. Here he is. The boy was lying fast asleep on a rude bed upon the floor, so pale with anxiety and sadness, 
and the closeness of his prison that he looked like death not death as it shows in shroud and coffin but in the guise it wears when life has just departed when a young and gentle spirit has but an instant fled to heaven and the gross air of the world has not had time to breathe upon the changing dusty tallow not now said the jew turning softly away tomorrow tomorrow end of chapter nineteen